in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But now the earth was formless. It was empty, and darkness covered it. Perhaps these first few verses of the entire Bible describe your life right now. In fact, perhaps you're here today and you, and you are staring into a, a future that is formless. Due to circumstances, you sit here today with, with broken dreams, broken hope. You've tried some things. You've lost some relationships. You're in the middle of some situations that leave you with nothing but uncertainty. Formless in your present. Formless in your future. Formless in your identity. Who am I now? Others of us here today resonate in Genesis 1 with emptiness. It could be the emptiness because somebody is missing from your life. Or it could be that something that was so important is missing. You've experienced a loss and there's emptiness in the aftermath. Emptiness comes when what we once filled our lives with leaves. Or when that thing or that person that we hoped would fill our life doesn't do so. And we're left with emptiness. Others of us today resonate with darkness. That's what we feel. That there are dark corners in our heart. The ancient Hebrew word used here is koshek, which means secret place. And that's the kind of place that darkness loves to hide in secret places where there are secret sins, hidden vices, shadows in our lives that others don't see. For many of us, there's a deep darkness, dark fragments of our past, parts of our past we can't even think about without having a physical reaction as there's darkness from what we've been through. And for others, there's a darkness of depression that, that comes and hangs on our life, over our life like a fog, or a darkness of anxiety that seems to creep up in our most joyous moments. Darkness of temper and rage or insecurity or dysfunction, and the way that these themes seem to be making decisions for us. Formless, emptiness, darkness, resonate with how Genesis 1 reveals that we have all experienced these seasons of life or are experiencing them right now. But praise be to God, He doesn't leave us in formlessness and emptiness and in darkness. God never leaves us without hope because the verse doesn't start, stop there. It says, all was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface, yet the Spirit of God was hovering closely. And right here at the very genesis of the Bible, we, we find a truth that maybe you need today. That wherever you are dealing with a, a formless future or an empty present or darkness inside, that there is a God who is close, who is hovering. And the word here for hovering means present. And it also means moving. And that while all you can feel is the formlessness, and all you can sense is the emptiness. And all you can see is the darkness. God is moving on your behalf. He is close. He is present, ready to reveal what is next. He's going to reveal that we're not left to our past or our pain. He doesn't leave us in our time of need. He is present, moving behind the scenes, moving on our behalf, close and present. 
The Bible is a revelation of the nature of God and who he is. We have a God who is present. Genesis 1, 2, all was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and yet the spirit of God was hovering closely, present and moving. And listen to the verse next because it reveals the nature of our God. Genesis 1, verse 3. In the darkness, God declared, let there be light. And it struck through the darkness. And it breaks through the darkness of our hearts and the emptiness that we are left with and the formlessness we fear. You know, light is striking. You can't ignore it, can you? You can't unsee it. You can't not see the light when you're in darkness and and light enters. And some of us need to experience that today because while we might be stuck in a place where we go, my future has no form, there's uncertainty everywhere ahead of me. And my present is, is so empty. I'm, I know there's something I'm missing. My internal life is so dark. There are places I need help. We have a God who's close. You have a God who is present and who is moving behind the scenes in your life. And there is light available. We learn that light changes whatever environment it's in. That's the nature of light. If you put light in a place, it will affect the environment. The nature of light is to drive out the darkness. And didn't we just see that? Here we were shrouded in darkness, and you're thinking, this is a strange start. Did they forget in the back? How can I watch this, this, this video now? It's all black. And then all of a sudden, the light pierces the darkness. You see, light brings change. Light brings freedom. Light brings vision. Light will always have an effect on its environment. Where there is a formless future, God wants to light the path ahead. Where there is an emptiness and loss, God wants to light your heart and fill you. Where there is darkness internal, God wants to bring the light of freedom and forgiveness so that you can experience a new life. And and what we need this morning is the light of Jesus. Whatever we are experiencing, whatever needs we have, what we need most is Jesus. So when the Bible declares, he's the God of light, and in him there is no darkness, we can understand that whatever the condition, whatever the condition of our heart, whatever the condition and uncertainty of our future, whatever the darkness and pain of our past, whatever the anxiety we're we're facing in the present, we have a Father of light who calls us to light, to illuminate, and to affect, and to change, and to transform He's the God of light. And the first light he offers is the light of salvation. He sent his son Jesus into the world. That's Christmas. That's this time of year. He sent Jesus into the world. And Jesus came and lived the life. And he was was crucified on a cross. And he rose again. And that's the resurrection Sunday in the spring. The light of salvation with God's first light to our soul. Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And much like light... Salvation changes everything. Salvation has an effect on any environment, any heart it comes to. The same way that light should change the environment, when we, when we receive Jesus and follow him, there should be transformation. And here's the truth about where we're headed today. You know, salvation, you've heard me say this before, salvation isn't the finish line. It's the starting line. 
You, you don't go your whole life and find Jesus and go, now I'm done. I can sit in church in the same seat for the next 30 years. Ah, I'm done. I'm done growing. No, no, it's not the finish line. It's the starting line of a new life. Starting line for, for what God wants to do in us and through us and how he wants to change us and transform our identity. One way our identity changes is, is what we talked about last week. If you missed it last week, I would encourage you to go listen as we talked about. God didn't tell us to go out into the world and be right. He told us to go out into the world and be light. And we have mixed that up, haven't we? Last week we learned Matthew 5, 14, he, Jesus made a bold declaration. He said, you, you who follow me, you are the light of the world. When God illuminates our soul, we should go therefore and illuminate our environments wherever we go. So the question is, that's great, preacher, but how? What do I do? And let's consider this. Let's look at light for a second. It's nothing new to us. We get used to it, but it's so distinct. In fact, when we have a little darkness and the light breaks through, it's shocking because we just get so used to the whole thing. You know when light's present, and you know when it's taken away. You know, I grew up in Redstone, and when I was a young boy, it seemed to me that the power went off a lot more often than it does these days, and for a lot longer. You know, now we get that text, and it's like, oh, it's going to be 45 minutes. What are they doing? I mean, back when I was a kid in Redstone, it was like, well, the electricity's off. I hope it's on tomorrow. But I remember we would, we, the electricity would go off, and we would all sprint to, to the fireplace where there, it was, it was, there was already a light going, and I would sit there, and I would look around the house, and my house was transformed. The house that I was so familiar with suddenly doesn't look so familiar. There are shadows I had never noticed before. And as, as the fireplace lights danced, it made these shadows all over. It was a strange feeling. And then my mom would come, and she would light one of those big lamps, you know, the kind with the big bulb of the strangely colored oil inside there? that you never use except for those times, and, and you would light that. And, and I remember looking at those lamps, and it was such a, almost a magical thing. And just that one light would chase away those shadows, and what, what was so strange to me in that moment would become familiar again. Okay, this is my house. <laughs> for a little guy, it was a huge change. I remember watching that lamp as it lit up our environment. One lamp would change not only what I saw, but it would transform my fear to peace. And I, I mean, if I could go back in time and I could look at that lamp and I would say, lamp, how, how do you shine your light to cast out darkness? Do you know what the lamp would tell me? Nothing. It's a lamp. It wouldn't say anything. <laughs> but we're here today to ask the question, okay, okay, I know we should be light, but how, how do you light up the environments around you? How do you shine in the darkness? I mean, here's the, here's the bottom line. We get here, we bring our lights out. Hey, Jesus! But what do you do at 8.15 tomorrow? When you're on your second cup of coffee in the office and that person walks in. How do you be a light at 8.15 Monday morning? Actually, 3 o'clock this afternoon, after the Broncos defeated the Chiefs, and you're just relaxing, and some friends come over. How do you be a light at 3 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon? How do you be a light in your normal every day? I mean, what does it practically mean to be a light to the world? You know, we started in Genesis, which is a good place to start, but we're going to move forward to the next ancient volume of the Bible, Exodus. In Exodus, God gives Moses, the leader of God's people, specific and direct instructions on how to build this structure called the tabernacle. 
The tabernacle is a very unique and sacred place. It's the place that God's divine presence would come down and dwell with his people. I mean, here we have a physical, just regular structure that houses divine spiritual reality. The instructions were detailed down to the measurements of, of where each specific piece of furniture would be, how many, I mean, very specific measurements. Nothing out of place. At some places of Exodus, it reads like a, a blueprint for builders, and, but hidden in the design of these specific nuances, hidden inside the designs for this ancient civilization by this timeless God is a truth for us today about what it means to be a light to the world. And so, we're going to move through the tabernacle quicker than I would like. We'll maybe have that teaching another time. But I want you to kind of understand that this is the place where God's presence would dwell. And what happened there was, was unique. As you would get close to the uh, tabernacle, you'd be in the outer courts. And in the outer courts, they would be packed with people. Crowds bustling. The, 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 the noise of crowds. The noise of people. And, and people selling things on the street. And you would pass through the gates of the outer court. And the crowd would thin some, but it would still be pretty full. And in those outer courts of the tabernacle, you would rub shoulders with people and you would hear the, the lowing of animals and the people talking and you would keep walking. And as you would go in, into the inner courts, there'd be less people. And you would walk and you would get to the altar where the, the priests would, would give their offerings and you would smell, you would smell the, the burning smell. And then you would get to the bronze laver, this place where they would wash ceremonial, ceremonially to purify. The sun would be hot. The noises would be loud, people praying, praising, animals, the bustle, the movement. But when you got to the structure of the tabernacle itself, and when you entered, you would be transformed as it would be a different temperature, cooler. It would be darker, not the hot sun of the desert. You would walk in, and there wouldn't be the noise and the chaos. There would be quiet, and there would be order. And your light would be drawn to something immediately as you entered. And you would see that there is a lampstand with seven lamps in one lampstand. Casting its light, it would kind of flicker off the gold on the walls and cause it to illuminate. In the grand symbolism of the tabernacle, this lampstand refers to the believers in Jesus. Remember Matthew 5? He called this the light of the world. Now remember, this is a lampstand. It's not a candlestick. There's a big difference between being a lamp and being a candle. And if we are to be the light of the world, we need to stop and just look at this for one second. Because a candle and a lamp, you can light both of them and they burn differently. You see, the candle is consumed. It's not meant for longevity. And for some of us, we have a faith where we kind of get excited about something. We're all in spiritually and, and, we, and we burn bright, but then after a season, we fall away until whenever the next revival, personal revival would happen. And if that's, if that's us, we need to ask ourselves, am I simply a candle like, diving into this spiritual stuff out of my own power? Because the truth of the matter is, a lamp burns by the power of the oil. You see, we are resourced by heaven above to burn according to his spirit's power. Not intended to burn out. And we're not intended to burn out as we go and, and shine to the world. We are this lampstand. We are the, the light of the world. Now, what's the purpose of this lamp? You're going to see here, it doesn't have a purpose. Well, it, the purpose is obvious. It's supposed to light the room. No. It gives us specific instructions that that's not what it's here for. Exodus 25, verse 37, God says, Make the lamp. 
set it up so that the lights, it lights the space in front of it. This lamp has a very specific place to light. This isn't a general lighting. Very specific. What's in front of it? So you have to ask, well, what's in front of it? What's so important in this tabernacle of sacred things that God measured out every little bit of it? What's so important that this light, what does it cast light on? What is over there? And what's over there is a table. And on this table is some bread. Now, I know you're very nonplussed. You're, really? You, you lead us up to this moment, the light of the world, the, the, this light lampstand, and it shines on some loaves of bread. Thanks. There's something to this bread. In fact, if, if we look at what Jesus says in John 6, verse 35, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. And so here we have in this room, this lamp, it's giving light directly in front of it. And what's in front of it is this bread of the presence, they called it. The showbread, the bread of presence. And if we are to be the light of the world and Jesus is the bread of light, I think you can see where I'm tracking. It's an important question to ask. Because when we say, how, where do I shine my light? How do I shine my light? How do I be this light of the world? What does it mean to be a lamp, us, to, to, to a world? And what should I shed my light on? And here we have our answer. Simply, we are called to illuminate one thing or one person. Just as the lamp in the tabernacle would illuminate the bread of presence, we are to live our lives in such a way that we illuminate the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Our lives should illuminate Him. It's so amazing that this, this lampstand, it, it was in a specific place with a specific mission. And I believe that God has placed each of you at your work in your life, in your family, where you are, a specific place with a specific mission to cast light on Jesus wherever you go. And wherever a light goes, it changes the environment. The lamp, did not, the lamp in the tabernacle did not cast a, a broad light. It, did not, it wasn't intended just to light everything. And likewise, our church is not called to illuminate everything. In the tabernacle, the, the lamp illuminated the bread of presence, and so should our light illuminate the bread of life, Jesus. You see, back then, if a person would have walked into the tabernacle and there's no lamp, they would have fumbled around, fumbled around looking for the, for the bread. In the same way that many people that we know are fumbling around looking for answers to questions deep within their soul because they don't have somebody illuminating the bread of life, Jesus, the Savior of the world. The church and its people have been guilty of illuminating things that, that we had no business doing. You see, the church and, and us, God's people, when we are off mission, we begin to illuminate causes that we think are of much greater worth. Our own personal agendas or political things or, or wherever it would be in our lives, we go, that, that, I'm going to illuminate this with my life. But I want to say this, anytime we move our light from illuminating Jesus to something else, we lose influence in this world. And any time a church decides to stand up and illuminate any other agenda or cause, no matter how good it may be, over Jesus, that church loses influence. We are called to illuminate the Savior of the world. And we have been guilty of this. I, I, we, as a church, we need to admit this. People, we have a reputation, not we, but the church as a whole, for being... It would be a different kind of light. You see, if we were to ask the world, what, what, 
what would you say describes a church? They would use a J word, but it's not going to be Jesus. It's going to be judgment. You see, oftentimes, and I, I, I'm guilty of this too, we will take this lamp that's supposed to illuminate Jesus and make it into a spotlight so we can highlight certain sins of other people that we think are a little worse than others. Let's, let's find some sin out there. Yeah. We take our light that is meant to illuminate the Savior of the world who takes away the sins of the world and instead illuminates sins. Uh, do you think the world needs shame and sin illuminated? Or do you think they need the one who takes away sin and shame illuminated? We have to remember our mission, remember our purpose. We're called to light and illuminate Jesus. God asked us to illuminate whatever environment we go into. You go and talk about politics, you go into politics, well listen, you illuminate Jesus in politics. You go to work, hey, you illuminate Jesus at work. You go home, you illuminate Jesus. Whatever environment you go into, you illuminate Jesus because light should change the environment. What are you lighting? What are you illuminating? We're to light his agenda. In this world, we're to illuminate his love and his purity. We're to reveal his grace, his forgiveness, his peace and unity. So we need to pause for one second and ask, what is my life illuminating? This is a very important question. If you could somehow pull the people around you and say, when you are around me at work, when you're around me at home, when you are around me, what does my life shed light on? What do you know better because of me? Do they see greater hobbies and judgment? Are, they high, are we highlighting my own agendas and, and my own interests? Or, or could they say, I, I know Jesus better because of you. I, I know love better. I know, I know peace better. Actually, I understand hope better because I've watched you go through dark valleys in a way I don't. Does my faith, does my light illuminate Jesus? We are light burning by the power of the Holy Spirit with the purpose to go through life, illuminating one thing, Jesus. So here's the deal. May our words speak of what Jesus has done for us. May our ears listen and may our hearts go out and and truly listen and care with compassion to the hurts and the circumstances of others and then be willing to illuminate the hope that we have in our circumstances, may our invitations go out. May our life be an invitation. Hey, come with me. I have the light. I'll show you the way. May our lives be bright indications that life change can be available. I talked to somebody a while ago in our church, and um, she said, I'm here because I've watched a friend of mine this summer come to the orchard and find Jesus, and she is not who she was. And I've known her her whole life. I am here to find out what happened because it's awesome and to see if it could be there for me too. That is the small testimony of somebody who found the light of salvation and then decided, I'm going to shine that light on the one who saved me. And people are here to see who she met. It's Jesus. Has Jesus changed your life in any way? Speak of that. Don't be afraid to tell others how he's changed you. By your generosity, show Jesus. By your compassion, illuminate Jesus. By your love, brightly shine on the author of love. May our words and deeds, may they illuminate him. As it says in Matthew 5.16, let your light shine on all people. 
May they see your good deeds and glorify Father in heaven. As you go forth and you are a light and you're illuminating Jesus, may they see in you a transformed life and know what's offered to them. May they see a hope and a peace and a love and a grace for those around them that they don't have. May we illuminate Jesus. And here's the final point. We are the light of the world set forth to illuminate the Savior of the world. But it was never God's plan that people would go to church, gather together, take out our lights, have a light party, like you know, a light rave, have a rave, and then, and then when it's over, sing some songs, and then when it's over, kind of like, okay, now I'm going to go back to my life. It was never God's design that we would come to church and, and, and burn brightly. Oh, we're all here. It's great. Now we go back. God's design isn't that we just come here for light. God's design isn't that, that other people would, would, would have to come to church for the light. Now, are they going to find us? Are we going to invite them? Yes and yes. But we are not called to sit and wait for people to just come find our church. When Jesus walked the earth, he constantly sent out his followers to go speak and do good deeds. He told him in Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Jesus isn't blind to what he's doing when he asks us to go out. He didn't, he's saying, I'm sending you out like light to the darkness. He didn't say, hey, it's a big dark world out there. It's scary and there's wolves. Stay here in your church bubble where you're very safe. Your, your faith is safe here. He never said that. He sends his people out into the fray where there's darkness, where there's wolves. He sends us with a powerful mission, a, a purposeful mission, and with the power and the promise that his presence goes with us. Jesus would send his disciples out all the time, and they would go out and they would do their work. He would send them out, and they would go out, and they would do these great things and, and speak of Jesus, and they would all come back together, and they would have a party, and they would celebrate, and they would praise him. And then he'd send them out again, and they'd all come back together and celebrate and praise what God had done. And that's maybe how the church should be. That we come here and we celebrate what God has done and who he is. But when you leave this parking lot, that's when your light would be most effective. Not in this room, but, but out there. In the, in the darkness of our culture, that's when your light will be most effective. You will impact the environment the most. Did you know Jesus prayed specifically for you about this very thing? He really did. We find this in God's word in John 17. This is right at the end of his life, his end of his ministry. He prays for you. Follow with me. Father, I'm coming to you. I told my followers many things while I was with them in this world so they could be filled with my joy. I've given them your word. And the world hates them because they don't behave or belong to this world just as I do not belong to this world. I'm not asking you to take them out of this world. But keep them safe from the evil one. I'm not asking you to take them out and make them safe in their churches. I'm asking that as they go, you protect them from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me, I am sending them into the world. Jesus didn't pray. Oh, God, send the people of darkness 
to come on Sunday mornings and find your church. He said, God, send your church into the darkness. He says another place that against the church and the declaration of Jesus, the gates of hell cannot stand against us. We are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And we are called to go forth into the darkness and illuminate Jesus. The purpose of the church is not a a holy huddle in the Christian bubble. No. The power and the purpose of the church and God's people is to go forth into a world that has darkness, a cultural darkness, a a group of people who who have a formless future, who have emptiness and and who have darkness. And, And we bring with us the love of Jesus and the peace and the unity and the forgiveness and the light of salvation. Soon we're going to leave this place. We're going to pray. We're going to sing and pray and we'll, you'll leave this place. And when you leave and you pull out, that is the moment that your, your faith and your light will be most effective. So do not be afraid this week to go forth into the world and speak of, of what the good things that God has given you. Don't be afraid to go forth and give an answer to the hope, why, why you have hope and why you have peace and why you can forgive. Well, we can lead people to this light. And, and then let's come back here in seven days and celebrate it, Okay. Let's go forth into the world and shed light on Jesus with our words and with our deeds. And then seven days from now, let's come back and let's have a party about it. And then let's do it again. And let's do it again. Let's be God's people to this region who love God and love people, all people, no asterisks, and who go out and illuminate a Savior. No spotlights on sin. We illuminate Jesus. What we experienced at the beginning of this sermon as we sat here in darkness and then light flooded this place. And we had to dim it. We didn't want to turn it all the way up because then you would just see red dots the rest of the sermon. I wanted you to have an experience between darkness and light. And it's, it's just a small taste. You know, when, when, you, when someone comes to salvation in Jesus, light floods their heart and soul and spirit as God's spirit takes up residence within them. It's, 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 it's shocking what happens. My wife and I got the privilege of praying with our little daughter this like, two weeks ago to receive Jesus. And she wanted to do that. She, wanted to re- she goes, I want to do that. I wanna, I'm going to pray. And so we talked her through it, what it meant. And we got to sit there and pray with her and to see her face light up. And she goes, I feel that joy explosion in my heart. And even this, like, the last two weeks, she's like, I'm not scared anymore. I have God's spirit inside me. Now she's four, but the spirit of God in her is not four. Same spirit you have. God's calling her and you to the same courageous life of shining light. And it could be that over the course of your life, you have just dimmed it. It's time to shine bright and tell people who our Savior is. If you're in here today and you have never prayed to receive Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity. This is the prayer where your soul and spirit goes from darkness to light as his light floods you. This is the prayer we prayed with my daughter, Selah, two weeks ago. This is the prayer that says, I need you and I want you to come save me. So if you want to pray that with me today, I'm going to invite you to, to speak it with your lips and believe in your heart. We're all going to pray together. But I would, I would encourage you to step into this. Say, Jesus, I need you. I give you my life. Forgive me my sins. You died and you rose again. You are my Savior. 
Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know about you, but we have, we've had some people pray that prayer over the last uh, seven months as we've been doing this, and they have, they, we have had people come to life almost on every Sunday in some way or another. And so my hope is that somebody out here made a decision who will never be the same, but for the rest of us in here, maybe you made that decision a long time ago. You can make a decision to not be the same too. That when you leave this place, you're not hiding your light. Jesus said in the same Matthew passage, you don't light a lamp and then hide it. Orchard. There is a dark world, a dark culture that needs to know that there's forgiveness and love and grace. We get to love God and love people. If you're here today and you have prayer requests, we have a, a corner in the back where you can go back and pray. We have people who would love to pray with you from the smallest request to the biggest. It does, it, it's confidential. No worries. No one's going to tell anybody. But as we close today for communion, I would encourage you to come and, and get the symbols of Jesus's broken body and shed blood and go back to your seat. And if you're a guest with us, you're welcome to join this. Jesus said, uh, do this in remembrance of me. No class needed. And as you sit there, you just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the, for the symbols of your sacrifice that brought light to my life. Forgive me my sins once again. And Orchard, then let's worship his majesty and praise him for who he is. And let's be that light. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.